Traveling the Vortex. We've joined Lucy Wilson, or is that Lethbridge Stewart, as she defends the world in episode 416. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Pretty good. Sean's in a good mood. Have to be. It's the only thing that's keeping me from freezing over. Oh, it's not that cold. It's cold. It's not that cold. This weekend was almost hot. No, it wasn't. It wasn't almost hot, but it was. It was <laughs> I was almost walking was around without a coat. I was in this all weekend. The little you went to the on. Chiefs game in that. Well, I had a coat on over it though. Not in the pictures you posted. <laughs> yeah, I did. Oh, did you? That's my blue coat. My, oh. my blue coat's the same color as this. So they just What's blend right together. This one here. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't yeah. notice that. I just yeah. noticed the hoodie. Well, the hoodie. I usually pop it out over the oh, coat, okay. so they kind of blend together. So there I can see that. Did you guys have a good week other than the cold? We're halfway through season two of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Wow. Uh, they are also short seasons. Season one is only eight episodes. Season two is ten. Oh, well, that makes me feel a little bit better about attempting that one. I feel like maybe now I could. Yeah, there's only 18 <laughs> episodes for the two seasons. So AJ recommended that. I went, yeah, I'll get to it. But yeah. <laughs> just, I know what that means. So Yeah, just won SAG Awards. Yeah, I did. It's really good. Really enjoying it. We went and saw the favorite. <laughs> the favorite? Yeah, that funny British spelling one. How was it? It's good. It is um, a period drama unlike any period drama you've ever seen because it's actually very funny <laughs> for being a period drama. Um, so it's a period comedy. Yeah, but not. There's a lot of drama to it. but it's, Dramedy? It's, it's, it's a dramedy, yeah. Um, I didn't, I'd never even seen a trailer for it. I had no idea what it was about. So I just knew that it was nominated for best picture. And that's kind of our thing is we always try and see the best picture nominees. And, um, when it was up on the awards thing and it was like powdered wigs and I went, well, that's going to win makeup. So, or costume that'll, you know, those tend to win those. But, uh, we went, you know, it was pretty good. Weird ending. I don't think it'll win, but. What about you, Glenn? Did you watch uh, anything? I finished uh, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. The last half of the fourth season finally dropped on Netflix. That's pretty much it. Reading, reading books more than anything. I'm in the middle of highest science, which is the Virgin New Adventure, and I'm reading um, Mythos by Stephen Fry, so which mm. is a retelling of the Greek myths. So, All right, well, should we move on to news? Let's. Well, filming has begun on Series 12. It posted Yay. a nice picture of the fam back together. <laughs> and then the other bit of news. <laughs> well, I think to, to that, I will say that I was kind of surprised that with a year out that they're recording this early. But then again, I don't know maybe, when they started filming Season 10, 11. Well, I, that could have been early, too. But we knew there was going to be a big break there. And so maybe that's what they're doing is they're taking their time. But. Seems like in the past, you know, they would shoot for like three or four months, and then three or four or five months later, it would release. So, it just seems interesting to me that they would start shooting something in January that they're not going to play until a full year. And that there are less episodes than there were then. 
Yeah. But the production values are a little higher, I think. Yeah, maybe that's what they're doing is they're and longer episodes, looking, you know, we're polishing things. Maybe that's why we got such good visuals last season. So. Yeah, a lot of post production work. Yeah, it takes a long time to cast talking frogs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you you can't just put an advert in the Make paper. That mistake again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you didn't hear? That's going to be the big villain for next season. <laughs> there is an arc. Returning villains. Uh, actually, it's, they're going to drop the three companions and pick up the frog as a companion after <laughs> at episode two. That might be enough to drive me away. I have not been a, very critical of this last series like everybody else has, but that might that might push me away. Be the boldest him, thing the show has ever done. I shall call him Froggy. <laughs> It'll just be like Frobisher. He can take whatever form he wants. It's true. <laughs> Instead of a penguin, he's just going to be a frog. That's true. I'm still flabbergasted. I'm, the, for him, I, I, I'm still flabbergasted that of all the things, that's the hang-up. <laughs> really? Talking frog is where you draw the line. <laughs> okay. Hey ho! <laughs> you think you'd be used to it? You think so? Yeah. In other news, David Tennant's launched a new podcast called "David Tennant Does a Podcast with." And speaking of Olivia Coleman, yeah, and Jodie Whittaker is going to be on there too. But well, first, I think Olivia is the first one. The, the first she? episode yeah, has yeah. dropped, starring, 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 <laughs> including with a guest interviewing Olivia Coleman. Yeah, conversation with. I don't know. I haven't got a chance to listen to it yet because the first. I, either, I didn't even hit, know the first episode dropped. So. <laughs> yeah, it just hit my iPad or iPod today, so or iPhone today. So I look forward to listening to it. I'm going to be on an episode three. Oh, you are? Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? I can't reveal that yet. We haven't oh, recorded oh, I'm oh. going to be on an episode three. Uh, I can't wait to have that to listen to. It's going to be great. Yeah. Episode three. That'll be three weeks from today. So, yeah. Well, an episode three. Wait, what? What? I'm so confused. Uh, well, it might be episode three. It might be 23. It uh, might be 33. Uh, I, I, I don't know which one. He just told me to pencil it in. I starting so. to ferret out the lie here. Yeah, I think so too. He just called me and said, would you be on? I said, yeah. <laughs> He's also going to talk to Ian McKellen and John Hamm at some point. Remind me who John Hamm is. Madman. Oh, right, right. Baby Driver. Yeah. Is he? I haven't seen Baby Driver. So. Bad times. At He's El not Royale. Baby Driver. He's in Baby Driver. Wait, we can't. <laughs> Thanks. Well, there's <laughs> there's a titular character there. <laughs> True. That's it for news. He's the voice of a Lego character, isn't he? Do I have that wrong? Likely. I think so. <laughs> for the longest time, I thought he was going to be Spider-Ham, but that's a different John. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. Huh? John Mulaney. He's like made for the part. I have a story about that. <laughs> right? Remind me off mic, and I will I will tell you guys the Spider-Ham story. I don't want spoilers. <laughs> All right. Well, shall we move on to feedback? Let's. Our feedback this week comes from Jameson. Jameson, I'm going to let you know I have uh, cut down your feedback just a smidge in order to accommodate a few uh, spoilerish uh, things that were in there. Um, well, for you. Uh, <laughs> 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 and for some of us. And, and for some of us, actually. So. 
this letter covers episodes 49 through 51 and Side Trip 1. So for those of you that don't know, Jameson is going back through our back catalog, and so he's writing to us from the past. Uh, starting with episode 49 and Dr. Phil's feedback, he mentions Earthshock episode 5. I don't know if I've watched it, but I do know The Boy That Time Forgot is a sequel to Earthshock. I enjoyed the story, although it's been a while since I've listened to it. I daren't say more, though, because, well, you know, spoilers. On the subject of the Library 2-parter, I enjoyed it. I actually thought Part 1 was better than Part 2 because I found the whole Donna in the mainframe bits boring. Necessary, but boring. The Vashta Narada are an interesting concept. Very creepy. It doesn't appear that you guys have gotten around to reviewing classic Doctor's New Monsters box sets yet, and I have to say they're rather good. The featured Doctors are companionless. Sure, characters are there to fill that role, but apart from the Doctors and the Monsters, there are no returning TV characters. The Eighth Doctor story is set in the Time War with Alestra, and it has a very Jurassic Park feel to it. Did I mention I love Jurassic Park and dinosaurs in general? <laughs> <laughs> Listening to you guys talk about River Song about her having adventures with the Doctor that aren't tied into her main timeline, and about having solo adventures. Well, we've got those now. Obviously on TV, Husbands of River Song, which I look forward to hearing your review of, and the Diary of River Song series from Big Finish, which I mentioned in my last feedback. I hope that after these, River gets some stories without the Doctor. She also shows up in the Doom Coalition series featuring the Eighth Doctor, which is an interesting series, but semi-far in your future when it comes to your reviews of Eighth Doctor audios. On the subject of Midnight, I love Midnight. I'd count it and Blink as my two favorite New Who episodes, and that's not to say that I don't like most of the others. I do, but Midnight is one of those fun, scary episodes that's just a joy to watch. While you all make good points, I still love this episode. You mentioned David Troughton. He's Patrick Troughton's oldest son, and apart from Professor Hobbs, he played a guard extra in Enemy of the World, Private Moore in The War Games, and King Peladon. He's played the second Doctor in the Serpent's Crest audio series from Audio Go that featured Tom Baker as the Doctor, and is the primary actor to play the Black Guardian for Big Finish. I don't know that I knew that. I didn't, I didn't know that part. Turn left. I think that the Beetle and its handler are supposed to be part of the Trickster's Brigade from the Sarah Jane Adventures, which I've not seen. I remember reading that somewhere. Also, Big Finish recently announced a box set that features Rose's adventures in a parallel universe during her attempt to reach the Doctor in Series 4. On to Episode 50 of the Daleks. Oh, I see what you did there, Jameson. That was clever. <laughs> Of the three, Remembrance is my favorite. Revelation was good, and it's been so long since I've seen Resurrection that I barely remember it. But I love unlimited rice pudding and the ripple effect speeches from Remembrance. Sophie Alvertrud has said that she wants the whole defeated a Dalek with a baseball bat on her tombstone, and that she hopes no one else is allowed to do it. In the news, you talk about Eternity Clock and Format Wars and Doctor Who video games. I'm a PC and DVD man. My brother has a PS4, which I play occasionally, but I'm primarily a PC gamer. I haven't upgraded to Blu-ray, mainly because I don't buy movies, and my local library is currently DVD-only. On a side note, are you guys taking credit for predicting the LEGO Dimensions video game, as it's <laughs> the closest we'll probably get to just a LEGO Doctor Who game? Yes. Yes, we are. I think you'll get there, too, when we announce that it's coming. I guess this one can go here. Congratulations on 415 episodes. In the feedback section, you talk about being surprised about making it to 50 episodes <laughs> and the handful of Doctor Who podcasts that have truly made it with several hundred episodes. <laughs> well, now you're among them. To the next 415. I wanted to mention the actress Eleanor Braun, who plays Kara, the manager of the food manufacturing factories on the planet Necros. 
Braun has also appeared as the other art critic in The City of Death next to John Cleese, Annalena de Santos in the audio story Lupus Garot, outside of who she's probably most famous as Amon, the high priestess in the Beatles film Help. That's why she looks so familiar. Did we talk we, about that? I thought we talked about that. We may have. It's been so long since we, we covered those. This is all new to me anymore, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, turned to load my phone. Shouldn't have done that. Uh, on to Remembrance. Uh, from the wiki. Okay, this is a fun story. War of the Daleks began life as a four-part TV story. But when the series was canceled, it was shelved and then was put forward by John Peel as a possible Virgin New Adventures novel. It was rejected before finally becoming an eighth Doctor Adventure. Peel noted in an interview another reason for that story was to bring back Scarrow. I feel that its destruction and remembrance was a bad move, as did Terry Nation. When I sought his permission for war, he asked me to try and rectify the destruction, which I think I've done very sneakily. Basically, war retconned it so the Doctor was tricked by the Dalek Prime and the planet destroyed was a Scarrow decoy. War did a lot of retconning with most of the other Dalek TV stories. <laughs> for a full list, see the wiki page. I've read the novel, but it's been quite a while, so I remember very little. So there's the official answer on that. Uh, next to the start of the Time War, some spoilers ahead. So the official start of the Time War is considered to be the events of Genesis of the Daleks. The Apocalypse element and the Etra Prime incident is also considered to be parts that led to the war. On a side note, Sirens of Time, Apocalypse element, Neverland, and Zagreus are, as far as I can figure, directly sequential for Gallifrey and occur before the events of the Gallifrey series. There's a two-disc BBC release titled The Dalek Conquests, which takes all the televised classic series Dalek stories, plus series one, and puts them together with a lead-up to the Time War framework with linking narration from Nick Briggs. Hmm. Oh, wow. That's kind of cool. Listening to the synopsis of Stolen Earth and to hear you say Earth's Greatest Heroes, my mind immediately went, The Avengers? And then remembered, no, the Avengers are Earth's mightiest heroes. There's a difference, but that's where my mind may show how much of a geek I really am. I really do enjoy the Series 4 finale. It's epic, intense, and probably the absolute best of David Tennant's run as the Doctor. Davros was done very well, and the Daleks had real menace. I find that this two-parter has immense rewatchability. There's not really much else to say that you or other listeners haven't already said. And finally, Side Trip 1, your 2011 Christmas special. Sounds like you were having fun. When is a door not a door? When it's a jar. If you don't answer correctly, I'll be disappointed. Have you guys done any other commentaries on other episodes? Maybe an Unearthly Child or the TV movie? If you do make another commentary, maybe have the episode up just a little louder for those who are listening without having the DVD in front of them. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned Revenge of the Sith in your commentary when Kazrin turns to the dark side and how the novelization makes the film so much better. I listened to a Star Wars podcast called Beyond the Films, and one of the hosts, Nathan P. Butler, kept a very extensive Star Wars timeline for many, many years. The final edition was released last October. I was about to say, I think he just finished that. And well, he, <laughs> <laughs> for now, I suppose. But yeah, he. Well, I, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I used to go to his site a lot because it was really handy, especially back in the Legends days. What do they call Legends days now? To link stuff together and figure stuff out. So. He came up with what he calls the Stover effect, <laughs> in which the novelization or tie-in material makes a film much better than just the film on its own. Nice to see that you guys have discovered the same thing. 
A quick note on other releases that tie into Christmas Carol, Teenage Kazarin shows up in the Churchill Years Volume 1 from Big Finish. Huh. My favorite, least favorite Doctor. Well, I like all the Doctors. Let's get that out of the way. I think 8 and 10 are tied for top place. I just love 10. His energy is contagious, and he's just a joy to watch. I've really gotten to know 8 through Big Finish. The TV movie is good, but it does have moments that make you wonder why they chose to do it that way. None spring to mind off the top of my head because it's been so long since I've last watched it. Neither Doctor is fun to watch, and McGann's portrayal in is very much on par with his Big Finish work, just with the visuals. Apart from a few mediocre stories, and one downright awful one, I'm looking at you, Minuet in Hell, McGann's Big Finish run has been what sold me on his Doctor. Four and seven are right below them. Four, he's just iconic. He's the most well-known, he had the longest reign on TV, where casual viewers go when a fan mentions Doctor Who. Or at least he was before Matt Smith. He's eccentric. You can very easily believe he's an alien. McCoy? I don't know. He's just really got into his doctor for some reason. He's enjoyable and entertaining. I just can't put my finger on. I really like him. I actually really enjoyed the second doctor. He's fun and entertaining and had an enjoyable air about him. The third doctor is good too. He's different, but still entertaining. Plus, he gave us Roger Delgado as the master, who's the best in my opinion. I do like Davidson and Colin, but I haven't seen that much of their TV stories, and what I have seen has been several years ago. My main exposure for them has been through Big Finish, and boy has Big Finish done amazing things for Colin. They gave him the renaissance he so desperately needed. They even gave him a regeneration story that didn't involve McCoy in a wig. 9, 11, and 12. I like all of them. They've all got good episodes and bad, or at least meh. 12 got some really good speeches and good moments, but it seemed like Moffat was trying too hard to be clever in these seasons. I enjoy 11, but he wasn't the favorite that he was for a lot of people for me. 9 was good, but he was completely overshadowed by 10. I really wish that 9 could have gotten another season, or a big finish revival. I like the War Doctor. I really wish we'd have gotten to do more with Big Finish before he died. Don't get me wrong, I'm very thankful for the stories we got. Hearing him and Leela in the fourth set was a joy. I just wish we had more. So, that just leaves the bookends, Hartnell and Whitaker. I'd have to say that these two are my least favorites. Not because they're bad, because they aren't, but rather I find Hartnell, while good, and while he does grow into the Doctor we know and love, he's just not as memorable as the others. Whitaker is one where her first season was, well, lackluster, I guess. I'll get into a review of her first season next time, but I guess because we were promised accessible standalones with no series arc, no returning monsters, and no two-parters, some of the episodes were good, some were okay, just nothing really stands out. Eccleson, you got a Dalek as a standout episode. Tenet's first season, you got Army of Ghosts and Doomsday. Matt Smith had Vincent the Doctor, Capaldi, Darkwater, Death in Heaven. I guess you could say resolution for Whitaker. Maybe. I guess. There's just not enough of Whitaker's Doctor to firmly plant her in the ranking. So that's my breakdown. On the topic of my watch-through of Who, as I've said before, it's taken me well over three years. Tom Baker alone has taken me a while. I finished Robot sometime around August 22nd, 2016. I'm not mainlining trying to get through it super fast. I check out a DVD from my library and maybe watch one episode a day. Sometimes I'll watch several a day. But then sometimes it's weeks between stories. Took me six months to get through the key to time. (laughs) I do plan on listening to the full, or as full as I can get my hands on, run of the Seventh Doctor Ace Hex stories from Big Finish in between survival and the TV movie and also plan on listening to all the 8th Doctor, Mary Shelley, Charlie, Chris, and the main range, 8th Doctor Adventures, 
in between TV movie and Night of the Doctor. I also plan on revisiting the War Doctor audios in between the novel engines War, Night, and Rose. I might stick Day of the Doctor in there too. haven't decided because although it's a War Doctor story, it's primarily an 11th Doctor story. I'm really wondering why your episode length has dropped so much recently. Glenn, do you want to tackle that one? Well, Sean and I have <laughs> disagreed <laughs> on that back and forth, but um, it really kind of boils, boils down to attention span of listeners. We've had a lot of listeners that have written in and said, oh, I really miss the... Ta-. Well, we've had a few written in and say, we miss the, the tangents, you guys, you know, talking about light bulbs and things like that. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, I, I do a lot of reading on podcast trends and numbers and viewerships and things because I'm kind of the guy that does that side of this. So um, a long time, well, not a long time ago, but a few years back, I decided that that everybody that podcasts agrees that an hour is almost the perfect length of a, of a podcast episode. And so we kind of, I made an executive decision, but I think we all kind of agreed on it, that we would shoot for one hour episodes um, sometimes that means trimming down a lot of the tangenting stuff because I've always believed that we're a Doctor Who podcast. So while it's fun to tangent and talk about what we did this week, things like, um, you know, size of desks or light bulbs probably are going to get <laughs> excised from a show. Um, just due to the fact that I, I try to keep it to uh, an hour. Uh, we used to make jokes about we had one that went like three and a half hours one time. And it, it was fun, but just... Ultimately, I think it's good business practice to try to keep it down to what what people will listen to because ultimately we want to draw listeners to the show. We don't want to turn anybody away. And I know that there are I've I've read a lot of people have been turned off by two three hour podcasts because they just think it's it's too much. They've they've lost interest in the show by the time they get to that you know two hour mark. So that was why they've got shorter is is we've decided to kind of shoot for the hour and, and we don't go exactly an hour sometimes it's an hour 15 I think last week's show was an hour 15 you know it might even be 45 we don't have a lot to say, you know a lot to say about something so that's kind of the reason why we've paired back admittedly too as we've gone through more and more and more of the televised stories you know I'll be the first person to admit as the scheduler we bit off way more than we could chew in some of those early ones <laughs> i mean yeah. when we're when we're reviewing three full length Cyberman stories, you know, and one of them was the invasion was eight parts. And then we went on to something. I mean, that was a lot to cover and, and realistically way too much to cover. It's so much easier to come in and formulate your thoughts about one arc than three. Um, and to throw all of that at key thoroughly on was probably not, not smart, (laughs) um, which is, which is on me. Not um, that he didn't handle it well, because he did. No, he did. He handled it like a pro. But now we're a little more seasoned, and we, well, the, we're lazy. We're, uh, we know better now. I think, also, I think also what led to that was, I don't think any of us saw this going really probably the past three or four years, right. realistically. And so I think, you know, when you get something started in the process, you want to get as much in as you can. And I You're think, that was, I think yeah. that was another reason why we made so many decisions to cram so much stuff into episodes. And then it was, I think at one point, we realized, you know what? We're doing this for a long time, and we might as well just kind of pace ourselves because there's a lot of stuff out there. So, so yeah, we're we're just kind of uh, taking it, uh, you know, one day at a time, one episode at a time, and enjoying ourselves now. One day at a time, one day at a time. Sorry. So to close this one out, I'm enjoying your podcast immensely. It's fun, informative, and clean. We try. I don't know that we've ever been called clean. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we've stro- strived to be a oh, family-friendly family. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
I think that's what he means. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what he means. Just, we're, quite, we're quite tidy here on the Vortex. <laughs> I just, well, I always try to pick up. <laughs> get you I went hard days floor. right. This is Paul's clean grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think that's what he means. We're, we're, we're a family-friendly show. We, we, we do strive for that, yes. yes. And some days it's a struggle. Um, <laughs> enjoyed the hiccup madness in episode 50. Your makeshift cure was hysterical. <laughs> of my nerd friends, none of them really watch Doctor Who, or at least not enough to warrant good discussions, like the ones we tend to have on Star Wars, Star Trek, Marvel versus DC, politics, etc. So it's nice to have people who talk about Who with, even if it's not in real time and it's obscured by temporal <laughs> variance, which is perfect for a show like Who. I still listen to the lazy Doctor Who, but or just to lazy Doctor Who, but they're lazy. So once I finished the backlog of episodes, I have to wait varying amounts of time for new episodes. <laughs> They'll sometimes post an episode each day. Other times it'll be a week or a month or more. It's in the title and podcast description. The other podcast. I, I don't know about you, Jamie, but I do look forward to when they go to conventions or go out of town on on trips because they do tend to. <laughs> Get excited about watching Doctor Who episodes, and you'll get a bunch out of that. Or if trip. it's a holiday, or if it's a holiday, a bank holiday for sure. Um, or the Super Bowl. The one thing or... against uh, running up against uh, a convention is there was a couple of times they said, "Oh, we're going to get a lot done because we're we're going to watch a lot of Doctor Who," and then they were so busy at the convention they, didn't have that time they ended anything. up cranking out one episode. I think so. The other podcast I listened to, Who Back When, was hysterical at times, but got to be too crude for my liking. So without going too long. Replies in episodes, comments probably did that. I'll say goodbye and hold off any more thoughts for next time. Great show. Keep up the good work. Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. P.S. Is Sean still in school? If not, then the About Us section of the website should probably be updated to reflect that. Probably That's should be anyway, true. yeah. And spoiler alert, Jamie. <laughs> P.P.S. What rank has Keith achieved? He's currently a novice where I'm at. I hope it means he's made it past that. Again, spoiler alert. <laughs> P-P-P-S. Sorry, Glenn, no question for you. I just didn't want you to feel left well, out. That's all right. <laughs> all right. Thank, well, thank you, you Jamie. Jamie. That's it for this week for feedback. All right. Well, we'll hear from Jamie again next week. Yes, we will. All right. Well, let's move on to our review. Curse of the Mirror Clowns. The circus is coming to town. And it may never leave. Lucy Wilson is just about getting used to life in Ogmore by the sea. School, homework, friends, and the occasional alien. It's not easy being the new girl in town, but with the help of her steadfast companion, Hobo, she's making it work. But when a mysterious circus opens for one night only, the town suddenly finds itself overrun with invisible clowns and the gang are faced with their biggest mystery yet. The disappearance of Lucy Wilson herself. Thankfully, they, they've got help. A mysterious stranger from another world with a special box that moves in time and space. Bum, bum, bum. I went into this novel not very excited because, you know, clowns. And just devoured it. <laughs> Did you I? devoured the clowns? I devoured I ate the clowns. <laughs> no, I really liked it. I uh, And so... I, it starts and you get this great action sequence at the very beginning of her running away from a, a, tr- trash, a monster, trash monster, pretty much. Or what it was called. Yeah, something along those lines. 
and then the two of them fighting, and I rolled my eyes so hard of the, we're doing the trope of we're putting pitting the teenagers against each other. But then it led so well into the story that I was okay with it. And they were reconciled so quickly that I was okay with it. I did the same thing, and I don't think they reconciled it quickly. But I, my that my thing about it, they was, didn't drag it out. Yeah, I rolled my eyes as well because I oh darn it, we're gonna do this. This is so tropey. But what I liked about it was I appreciated it when they they kind of used the uh, they used that theme very well in this. And I thought, oh, we're only two books. You know, we got that out of the way, so we don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Let's, so, let's hope yeah. so, anyways. I, I th- same way, exactly. Exactly the same. I was, oh, here we go. And we're doing the Harry Potter bit. And they're all going to be <laughs> mad at each other. For the, nope, we're done. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And the fact that Hobo was able to resist the, you know, clown aspect of things I liked. And I, I thought the clowns were used really well. And I think it probably helps that I didn't have to visualize them as clowns. <laughs> <laughs> but the ideas behind them I thought were really neat and really unique that I hadn't seen approached before. Well, they were given a great backstory, the the, the mythos of the clowns, as opposed to being a giant spider from outer space that also right. was a, you know, or, or, you know, mouthful of teeth clown or, you know, killer clowns from outer, those things that we've all seen before because clowns are creepy and scary. And yeah, that's pretty much what they are. Um, this really was almost a, Oh, well, I, I like the fact that they gave us the history, but then they also only hinted at kind of what they've been up to since then. Yeah. Like the whole idea of uh, Puncinelli and his love for what's her face. And it's so it's such an abstract kind of idea. You're not entirely sure what they're talking about, You get, but you get the gist. Yeah. yeah. Just enough to make you kind of curious and want to read on to see if you learn more. And you don't and you're OK with that. But it's just enough to add depth to what's going on. Well, enough to let you know there was some sort of love triangle that, yeah. that kind of sparked all this and gave it enough of a reason for them to be adversarial with each other. Right. So. And then you didn't need more than that. You right. didn't need a whole in-depth dissertation of here's what happened and right. why. It was just enough. The book just moves at such a brisk pace that it was really hard to put down. I, I agree with you in that the, the, it was an approach that I had never seen uh taken and 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 as sean said the backstory is fascinating because the, the idea that they could the clowns come from us and that they're you basically you know we we created it because it's it's a side of us that you know uh maybe is even suppressed and so to be able to use the vehicle of of coming here to invade and being able to whisper suggestions into the ears of of the humans when they do take over it just i thought that was very clever it was a really guiding guiding uh humanity it's a slow silent invasion the fact yeah the fact that it's a slow invasion and it's not a big bang of a attack or anything that it's such a small area and they're gonna grow and it's it's a really thought well thought out invasion you don't just you know drop into the center of london and try to take over you go someplace small and infiltrate and take your time with it and i like that a lot I really liked the Punch and Judy man. Uh, what was his yeah, name? Yeah, I don't uh, remember now. Anyway, he Pete. Pete, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I like a lot of times. It, I think maybe we even mentioned this when we read the first Lucy Wilson mystery, but uh, sometimes when a character 
when kids are when 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 adults are the subject of a book and somebody comes in that kind of saves your main characters all the time it it gets a little bit tedious because you're like well my heroes are supposed to be doing this but i almost am forgiving with kids books i think that's why it didn't bother me so much that ann bishop shows up at the end of the last book to save uh the kids and it and, and to have pete on their side and several times get them out of scrapes, I thought was really well until obviously they burn his house down. But right. um, but I, I kind of liked that. But it also gave our heroes an opportunity to do what they do best for, for and also to grow as characters, which I think was very important for Lucy to to assume her identity that I think she has been uh, internally struggling with, but not knowing that she was struggling with the fact that, you know, uh, she's living up to this name of Lethbridge Stewart. And but almost flippantly doing it at the beginning, and then understanding what it means to be a Lethbridge Stewart by the end. So we were able to have you know uh, Pete kind of come in every once in a while and help the kids along in this uh, adventure. The kids ended up being you know Lucy's particularly ends up being the hero of the story. Right. But it was kind of nice to have Pete there as this uh, almost a crutch for a little while. While the Lucy Wilson ex- uh, character was explored a little bit, and Hobo, to that matter, his his character, as you said, his it, it was a strong resistance, but his resistance to the clowns and, and recognizing that something's not quite right, Lucy's not quite right. This you know second Lucy. I also speaking of second Lucy, I thought it was a very clever way to do a split character. Uh, not a split personality, but to explore two sides of a character by actually giving the character two personalities. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really cool, or two characters. I thought that was really cool too. Well, go and going back to Pete, it was such a great way for them to have a guide and for them to figure out what they're dealing with and yeah. help them understand how to combat it and still let them do it on their own. Pete takes care of the ex- exposition. Yeah, explains to us what is going to need to be done in such a way that it's not just. Spoon it's not fed an info to them. dump, right? And it's not just spoon fed to our to our heroes. It they do still have to puzzle and piece it together, and they do see the clues in in his house. In fact, that's part of the reason why. Uh, 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 well, I guess it's it's Lucy two or fake Lucy, or what they call her beginning. Well, she ends up being Wilson, but um, right. she. I guess it's her telling uh, Hobo that the clown was in the mirror that gave him the idea to go get the mirrors. But I think he had observed all of the mirrors at Pete's house as well. So it, it was these dropping these little uh, hints to help our heroes along as we went. Okay, Curse of the Mirror Clowns. So automatically you've got my teeth on edge. Clowns. <laughs> okay. And my expectations are clowns from outer space, so that we've got this, you know, invasion force. But then to be hit with, no, it's not that story. It's actually Invasion of the Body Snatchers story, which for some reason... Giving and and it's really it's very cleverly done because it's really only Lucy that we get the body snatchers kind of version of it. Everybody else is just kind of being on autopilot, driven by a clown, which is almost way worse than an invading army of clowns. Yeah, in in a way, it is. Just the idea that people are walking around zombified with clowns operating them—that to me is even more terrifying than the idea of actual mass murdering clowns for some reason i i, I was on edge for a good chunk of this book <laughs> you, you mentioned well, that the fact moved... that you couldn't see the clowns either yeah they're, so they're, they're, you know oh they're and they're, they're invisible, they're invisible. <laughs> what? what are you doing to me 
So it moved fast, but at the same time, it was like, I don't want to pick it back up and keep going. <laughs> See, I think it helped, really helped that I could visualize them without makeup. Yeah. I, I, could, I could imagine them in the outfits that they describe just without makeup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys and your chlorophobia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw an interesting. I think it goes back to that day at the circus when a clown killed my dad. <laughs> Let me tangent to a to a to a point. Uh, I was watching an interview, and I think that the interview was it was done in the UK. It was on some morning show that they have, and it was two guys, and they were dressed as clowns, and they were discussing how that was their qualified opinion or their qualified, not even opinion, it was their, their qualified fact that chlorophobia. It, I think it's always been around. It's always been something that's been obviously suppressed. But their point was that chlorophobia didn't become this mass recognized thing. If you don't know what chlorophobia is, a fear of clowns. This fear of clowns didn't become a mass thing until, what was it, 1989 when uh, Stephen King? No, it was when the, the book first came out, uh, which would have been too far before that. 84 ish. Yeah, yeah, somewhere around there. Uh, actually, I think it was even later than that because I think I was was I in high school at the time. No, it was it was middle school. So, uh, yeah, but when that book came out, that suddenly because so many people had read that book, that the Pennywise clown character suddenly sparked this in that generation that read the book and older sparked that fear of clowns. And I got to thinking about it, and I thought, well, they might be right. I think chlorophobia is probably. I mean, I didn't. I wasn't scared of clowns when I was a kid. There was nobody that I knew that was scared of clowns when I was a kid. It wasn't until I didn't know you when I was a kid. It wasn't <laughs> until I was, you know, it, probably in, in early adulthood that all of a sudden you start all these people like, oh, I'm scared to death of clowns. So I wonder if maybe there was a correlation to that. The fact that oh, that, I... that was the first mass marketed uh, scary clown. I mean, killer clowns from outer space. You that know, was 88. Yeah, I was going to say, would, would have been around the same time that the TV movie would have been made, which would have then emphasized that. Um, but I thought that was kind of interesting that, that these guys were qualifying that that was the event, but they had me sold on it because I kind of thought, yeah, because my, my mom and dad, they're not afraid of clowns. They loved clowns as kids. You always see, you know, happy clown things in, in TV shows and stuff. You don't see any terrified kids then. So I think it probably more so goes back to John Wayne Gacy. He did dress as a clown, didn't he? Yeah, that's right. I don't know. I'm not sure the well, that time could be frame too. when he did it. Well, that would have been the 1970s, I believe. Yeah. So. So I think it probably started there and then well, continued I, on. I, um, I was born in 73. I was oblivious of Gacy at the time. I mean, maybe I saw it on the news, but I, I would not have been aware of that. Um, and had not read it until I was an adult. I came to it way late in my Stephen King fanaticism. Um, and I didn't get to see the miniseries until after I'd read the book. So it was all kind of past that. But I had... You know the clown art, you know those, those just portraits of clowns that people have for yeah. whatever yeah. ungodly reason. I had well, they, were, those. they were big in the seventies. They were really big. And they were big in kids' uh, nurseries too, as well. I, I had one, and it hung on the wall in my room for years, and I hated it. I hated it with a passion. I hated everything about it. I hated the clown. I hated the color. I hated the look. I, I could not stand that photo. And you never asked your mom to take it down? Not for years. 
<laughs> and I finally did ask, can I get rid of this? She goes, yeah, you don't like it? I went, no. She goes, yeah, you can take it down. And I threw it out. And I felt so much better after it was gone. But I, yeah, I have always. Now, yeah, now, now, no, I'm, now clowns in a circus, I'm fine. They're down there. Yeah. That's, I, that's, I, that's fine. And I'm not, I'm not ruling out the fact that there weren't kids that genuinely had chlorophobia. I just don't think it was as mass spread as it is I, I agree. I agree. I think, I think the, the release of it, I think, kind of tapped into what maybe some of us had. Right. That there was a thing and that this capitalized on that thing and all of a sudden it became in vogue and everybody went, oh yeah, I'm scared of clowns too. Right, yeah. Or maybe it just made it, a, not, not necessarily in vogue, but it, it, it brought it to the consciousness of, yeah, clowns are kind of creepy. And I, I mean, I don't mean to besmirch clowns because it is an old and noble profession. I mean, the, the, I, I know a couple of, of, of genuine clowns. These guys go out and do this professionally. And, um, you know, times are tough <laughs> at this point because <laughs> nobody wants to hire a clown. But, um, I, yeah, there's just something about it that's... I've never understood that why clowns... I don't understand why clowns are creepy to people. Just the... The average Joe clown. It just is. I think I just find them unsettling more than creepy. <laughs> okay, so I guess whatever I, you want to label it, I, I don't understand what it is. I think it's the fact that they have that smile painted on their face, even though they might not necessarily be smiling. <laughs> That's all I got. E- even Ronald. <laughs> I mean, keep in mind, back in the eighties, when Ronald was the king of the McDonald's commercials, it was like mm-hmm. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Because, like, the sad clowns aren't as kind of unsettling. They're not as unsettling? I don't think they are. Well, they're at least honest with you. Yeah. See? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, back to the book. Back to the book. Back to the book. If they're, they're going to kill me, I might expect it. <laughs> clowns aren't going to kill you. All right, so back, back to the book. <laughs> I never liked the clowns in Dumbo, either. <laughs> Look what I've done. Oh, my God. <laughs> What about therapy session? Maybe that's for where Sean? it started. Yeah, from. maybe that's where it came from. The clowns in Dumbo were mean to Dumbo. They were, yeah, and I'm still not afraid of clowns. <laughs> and I've loved that movie since I was a kid, so I, I didn't affect me that either. <laughs> it, it certainly I, it certainly weighs toward. You, I mean, there's, it sounds like there's a lot of things. <laughs> I have issues. <laughs> In fact, I'm going to come over here and lay on the couch and let you guys continue to talk well, about Well, Sean, I'm afraid our time is up for this week. But, um, we're... Our hour's up. This is your episode title, our, Sean's our Therapy hour. Session. <laughs> I, think I'm, I think I'm making excellent progress. I really enjoyed this book despite all of my issues with clouds. That, that goes miles to Chris Lynch and his ability to turn in a, you know. Yeah. I suppose Chris could be a girl, but I don't. I don't believe so. I think I read somewhere that this is a guy, but I could be wrong. There we go again. <laughs> General neutral names. <laughs> uh, the author did a phenomenal job the with this. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's good. It's a lot of fun. It's uh, the moment in the box with the brig. With the the, and the 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 ring connect. We finally get the ring connection from yeah. that was left uh, with her by Anne uh, early on. Uh, the fact that you know it's obviously not the brig, but it's a a projected memory or a projected uh, entity of him uh, in order to to, to uh, pass on some last wisdom. Uh, it was kind of sad because when she realized, you know, it's not really him. Well, it wasn't even so much that it wasn't really him that that she had to leave, that he would have to leave again. And yeah. So that was, I mean, she obviously knew it wasn't him, but 
it just that that was a neat moment that moment in the box and, and shooting the the <laughs> with the gun to shoot the glass yeah. to, to oh yeah. that was yeah. pretty cool yeah. i had hoped he had said five rounds rapid but he didn't but <laughs> <laughs> well even just the 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 allegories to the magic box even that, I'll admit, was enough to make me go. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, and they, they, you're pushing my button. The clowns reference the many face man, and yes, or the man with many faces, and yeah, so a lot of lot of little nods to the doctor. Part of me wondered if um, the main clown from Greatest Show in the Galaxy was one of these clowns that had spun off and done his own thing. Oh, weren't they all robots? No, I didn't think so, because Max wasn't a robot. No, all, all the clouds were robots, weren't they? The Harlequin certainly was. The manga? Yeah. Wait, of these robots? No, 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 no. no. In, in I don't show remember, I don't remember that. I thought for sure, because there wasn't there like robot parts and that one of the trailer that Ace well, stumbles all, into. All, all of the other clowns in Greatest Show were, but I don't think the main one was, but it's been I thought long he was, enough. I thought Maybe he was. He was. Too, yeah. I thought all the other ones were, but he wasn't. The ring ringmaster. No, the ringmaster was uh, not a or no, clown. He, was, he wasn't a clown. Yeah. You're talking yeah. about the harlequin. The, the head yeah. clown. I don't Chief remember. clown. Chief clown. <laughs> Chief clown. That's what he's credited. <laughs> I'm going to look into that. You guys can Well, I, as you look into that, Keith Enderba, um Yeah, this this to me, um, whereas the... Maybe it's because the great intelligence was still present in the first book. This one very much felt more steeped in the it's a Sarah Jane adventure um you know you mean in style in in style and um and and I don't mean like I don't mean that as a bad thing I mean that it was a a a fun light-hearted romp in some ways that a lot of the Sarah Jane adventure stories that we watched had that very fast-paced man that was a good that that was a lot of fun to watch that that's kind of how I felt reading this this was above and beyond any of the Sarah Jane adventures I and I I was I enjoyed the Servant Jane Adventures, but I like this so much I think, more. I think a lot of that is because it is targeted towards the younger adult yeah. audience. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't get that feel from the first book. See, I so. did. I did too. So, I mean, Maybe it's just because it's the great intelligence. but well, That could be. Looks like the the chief clown was not a robot. Was he was a, a person. Okay. He, but he had robot clowns under his okay. control. I just That's what I thought. That way. Yes, I'll totally take credit for remembering that correctly. <laughs> Anything else about Curse of the Mirror Clowns? I don't think so. I, I it, This one invigorated me about going on, and I'm, I hope that they do some more uh, Lucy Wilson mysteries. I think there's another one at least slated. Um, John Peel, right? I think Peel's writing it, yeah. I think so. Yeah. And uh, so that'll be, that'll be fun. I like Peel as an author, so. We'll I continue to enjoy Lucy and Hobo together, especially once they actually get to be a team yeah. <laughs> in the second half of the book. And I, I I echo what you said about really enjoying the exploration of Lucy as a character and what it means to be a Lethbridge Stewart. Those are some of the highlights of the books. Yeah. Agreed. I can't wait for the, uh, you know, Lucy Wilson teenage years where, you know, she's in a post-apocalyptic wasteland and everything's dark and bitter and... Terrible. Those will be fun books to read. <laughs> Sean, what do we got coming up on the schedule? Um, coming up next on the schedule, we are reviewing... What are we reviewing? Uh, uh, the eighth... Oh, yeah, The Eighth Doctor. We're going into uh, the end of Series 3. 
with um, the Eight Truths and World Wide Web, which is episodes seven and eight of that particular series. So three point seven, three point eight, and we'll be covering those. We're running next up week. on the end of the uh, published schedule so far. So yeah, I should, I, should, I should probably go ahead and put out the next <laughs> batch of. Uh, I mean, I know at least the about. next three things that are coming out. I'm not going to talk about them because I might. I might, might alter them. them a little I'm, bit. I'm, 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 I might tweak it just a bit. So. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Well, uh, as usual, uh, be sure to uh, uh, find us on uh, Google Play. Uh, we're also on uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're on Stitcher. We're on. Uh, don't forget, you can ask uh, your Echo device. Uh, Echo, or you, yeah, your Echo device. Uh, anybody that has. The A, I'm, I'm refraining from saying her name because Keith has one and she always says it. <laughs> but remember that you can ask her to listen to uh, Traveling the Vortex and she knows exactly what you're talking about. So hey, Alex. You can, yeah. uh. <laughs> you can find us on there. And of course, you can find us on uh, uh, TuneIn and Player FM as well. And please uh, give us a review anywhere you can. Yeah, absolutely. On any of those sites. Yeah, in fact, uh, five stars is best. But, you know, be honest and whatever you think. Uh, you uh, iTunes is one of the one of the uh, iTunes and Google Play are one of the best places to to review us because those yeah. uh, go a long way for getting our name out there, our podcast, and getting more eyes on our podcast. So or ears or ears. Yeah. Can I review us? No. Um, so <laughs> no, I, I thought I would. That's a legit well, question. I you, thought I would ask. You could, but I think it would be unethic- It would be ethically wrong to do so. So yes, no, you you could do it. It's it's possible i don't think it's i have not so. i don't think it's feasible um and of course uh you can become a patron and support this uh account uh there the, this podcast you can uh start by uh signing up on, for a patron account and uh you can uh, donate money to us that way as well if that's gonna do it for this week until next week i'm glenn i'm sean i'm keith cheers good night everybody be seeing you thanks for listening You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.